Hi, this is Sheila E., and you're listening to Studio Q. You are listening to Studio Q. Studio Q is the best show. Welcome to a very special edition of Studio Q today. We are honored and blessed to have world-class legendary percussionist Sheila E. Thank you so much for making time for Studio Q today, Sheila E. Thank you very much. Well, first off, I want to congratulate you on being honored this month with the Lexus Pursuit of Perfection Award. Thank you. I love the fact that the award also recognizes the work that you and your manager do for Elevate Hope Foundation. Yes. Yeah. And congrats on your recent blue check mark on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't even know I had it. You didn't? No. Someone just tweeted to say congratulations on your check. And I'm like, what? And then I had to, because you don't see it yourself. You have to look at your profile in order to see it. And I, you know, I didn't pay attention to it. I forgot about it long ago because I was like, why don't I have a check mark? Anyway, thank you. All of us can follow Sheila at Sheila E. Drummer. Well, last month you were in the audience at the Catalina Jazz Club here in L.A. And I know that you are a master of percussion. You grew up in a house filled with music. You can play multiple instruments, including chopsticks, water bottles, spoons. <laughs> But even with all of that knowledge, I was still blown away to see you jam out with the amazing Rochelle Farrell using the sounds from a Heineken bottle. Okay. Yeah. Please tell me exactly where did you learn how to duet with a bottle? Well, the thing is, is growing up in my family with my dad still playing and performing, um, we grew up with a lot of music in the house, you know, a lot of percussion in the living room, jam sessions all the time, music every single day being played throughout the day. So, you know, uh, from what I hear, my, my mom and dad told me I started on the pots and pans, so, um, and then moved up to the real percussion. But to us, as percussion players, I see music in a lot of things. I see music in all kinds. I mean, everything that you can think of pretty much makes a sound and you know there are things um you know that are made uh on film when you when you're in a studio making sounds for film in a foley you know room i mean you come up with things to recreate the sound that you think that it is so it's kind of what i do it's like you just learn how to make music with you know different items you know if it's tearing paper uh i i used um one time in the studio i wanted a real um tight, clear sound on a snare drum, and I actually bit into an apple to get like a guido sound, which is a, a Latin instrument, and uh, I didn't have it with me, the particular one that they wanted. So I took my hairbrush against a wall that had carpet and played that as like a guido. I mean, you just come up with, you know, you improvise, you know? And those are the things that, you know, I think make it fun for me because I'm always trying to figure out, well, let, let me just try this. Let's see what this sounds like. And the same thing with a water bottle. It's just, you know, you put water in it. Um, the first time I used it with water in a bottle was when I played on um, Michael Jackson's first 
album off the wall, that song on Don't Stop to Get Enough. Yeah. Do they think that's me playing the water bottles with water in the bottles? Those sounds, again, it's just you figure out you make up stuff. You know, I've got all kind of percussion and just whatever you have in the house, in your bathroom, everything is music to me. I make it, I think there's beautiful sounds of things you just don't realize, so. Well, obviously, Rochelle Pharrell thought so, too, because y'all was jamming. you to get out your seat and gravitate to the stage well i was just in the back i was getting ready to leave actually because i stayed i was at the first show and that was the second show um and i was getting ready to leave and then she was doing something i was like and i i was in the back um by her dressing room and my manager and i and, and a couple of the other guys in the band and i ran to the bartender and i said give me a wa- uh, give me a, a water bottle he's, so he gave me a water bottle but it was plastic mm-hmm. i said no i need a bottle but the plastics are a little bit harder to play mm-hmm. so um he i said okay just give me a beer bottle and and he says okay and i said now pour out the beer he's like no you don't want the beer i said no need <laughs> water in it i don't want the beer i poured out the beer in another glass i made a mess i'm trying to hurry up before she ends i just felt the vibe of just like i need to do the water bottle then i poured water in it and i ran up on stage the funny thing about it is that she didn't even realize that it was me she thought it was the keyboard player and that what was so funny because she just kept playing and singing and I'm like okay I guess she'll turn around at one point and when she did she was shocked so the first the first group of people didn't get to hear that right no uh-uh. oh so we got something special that's nice that is nice well I saw today you tweeted a beautiful pic with your 2012 summer tour dates are you excited about it I know your tweeples oh yes they are campaigning uh- for you to visit their country their city their backyard yeah. <laughs> and I will be doing that. I'm really excited. We're going to start adding more dates. These are just the ones that are confirmed for right now. And my, my goal this year is one of them on my bucket list is really just go play a bunch of cities and places that I haven't been in a long time. And even new places like India, we're working on that. I've, I've been wanting to go to India. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And, you know, I want to do a couple of crazy, not crazy things for as far as I'm concerned, it's not crazy. It's the norm for me, but I like just showing up at somebody's house, you know, and uh, <laughs> surprising them and stuff like that. So you'll be hearing about a lot of stuff like that. Well, I loved your TV One Unsung documentary. Did you like how it turned out? Yes, I did. Thank you. Well, you said that at one point in your career, after you experienced great success, you turned into somebody who demanded things. I can't imagine that, like, talking to you, but... From people, you know, instead of asking them, you spoke to folks in a way that you later had to apologize. I mean, what ultimately made you become self-aware enough to right that wrong? Um, because a lot of the times, you know, you get to a point, well, the fame came, it's not that it came quickly. I mean, I absolutely worked my butt off. And the hardest I have ever worked in my life was during that period before uh, the Purple Rain tour to set up for that tour. And, you know, it was just 
the responsibility of having all of that on my shoulders, I knew that, you know, it wasn't the band's name that was out there, it was my name, and first time being a solo artist, I wanted to just, you know, go out there and give, you know, 250%, so I expected everybody in the camp to be and do the same. So instead of asking them, you know, it, there were rules and regulations of being in my band, no drinking, no no one, no drugs, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I wanted to change your hair, do give you hair, shave your head, color it. You know, the way that everybody looked in the band, the concept of what, I, it was like I needed to be hands-on okay. as to what I wanted. I wonder if it was a man who had all of that responsibility, would people perceive what you said to be... For it, for it to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Um, but but my point was, you know, basically I I noticed that, you know, I was just angry all the time. And I, not even angry. I mean, I, I had a great time. It's just the way that I, my tone in speaking with people as opposed to saying, hey, if you're going to work with me, as opposed to saying, hey, you work for me. It's just, you know, different little little things that make a big difference. And it takes a, a village. It takes teamwork. And it's not just me, me, I, 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 which I became. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that anymore. And I didn't want to be that person. So, you know, I continue. I mean, I, you know, I make mistakes every day and, and, and I don't have a problem at all ever telling anyone I'm sorry or I made a mistake or, you know, because we're not perfect and we're human and and uh, I absolutely learn by my mistakes. It might t- it might not be the first time, but, you know, somewhere along the line I'll end up figuring out, you know, I need there's things that I need to change about me mm-hmm. you know, to be a better person. We all know about the great chemistry and history between you and Prince. What accomplishments with him are you, like, most proud of? Probably the first thing was would be that the, the Purple Rain tour was just awesome, and that started, you know, a lot for both of us, and uh, that was one of the biggest tours um, that people still talk about with, for Prince and both of us together. There's not been a tour like that, so I think that that's first and foremost. I know in 1991 you suffered a collapse. Your lung, your legs gave out. You were semi-paralyzed from playing the drums in those six-inch beautiful heels for so long and uh i read that it took an incredible four months for you to even walk straight again Mm -hmm. what what did that whole experience teach you about yourself oh it definitely taught me that you know um i thought that i was in control i thought i was in control of my life i was uh you know i people would tell i would tell people that i could jump out of a plane with no parachute and land on my feet no matter how high um and I realized that that's not true and that I wasn't in control. And, you know, that's part of the change of realizing, you know, I needed to change my life. I needed to rest, take care of me. Um, because, again, the responsibility of taking care of everybody, it was just a lot, you know. And uh, I pushed myself to the limits. And so um, just going and moving, you know, and, and not getting enough rest. Not that I was on drugs or alcohol or anything like that. It was just I loved what I what I do, and I wanted to stay up and finish, you know, the record or the song and wait until I couldn't stay up anymore, you know, to, to finish what I started. So um, I just realized that, you know, I had to change my life. And absolutely, you sit down and you realize, wow, you know, a lot of the things that we take for granted um, – Things that don't cost any money, you know, and the and the blessings that God had get, given us, and it gives us on a daily basis that you know we just again don't even realize. I mean, it, it took me 
I think almost a month or so to even get out of the house when the, the lung collapsed first and then mm. my, my legs gave out. Um, it took me a minute because mentally it messed me up and I had never, I was never one to give up, never one to quit or, or be afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. And that really set me straight to say, hey, you know what, you know, there's other things that are more important. You got to take care of you and God has given you this gift and you've got to change your life and, and be a better person. Well, what advice would you give to uh, Sheila E., the 13 year old? Um, it's interesting because I, <clears throat> I don't know that I would give myself any advice because I think all that I want went through I don't think that I would change anything because it it brought me to a place of where of such peace and fulfillment that if it took all of that to go through that to get to where I am now, then so be it. Well, during my research for our interview, I came across a great picture of you and the late great icon Whitney Houston. Do you have a memory about Whitney that you could share with all of us who love and miss her so much? Well, just the last memory is when I saw her and she came to see me play um, here in Los Angeles, her and Bobby, and uh, both Bobbies. Uh, <laughs> but they came, and she brought her daughter, and she came a couple of nights, and um, she was yelling at me from the side of the stage, telling me, give me some sticks, give me some sticks. <laughs> I want to play, I want to play. And um, she was just, so I finally gave her the sticks. I ran over on the side, I gave her some sticks, with the show still going on, and... and um, she was just having a blast, and she was just happy and excited, and, and uh, I just remember her smile, and every time she looked at me, she's got the sticks like, I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> you know? um, that's, that's just a special moment I'll, I'll never forget. Switching gears a little bit, we hear so much about the musical influence of your dad, the Latin legend, Pete Escovito was for you, but how influential was your mom in your career? What role did she play? The other side of who I am is who my mom is, definitely, and that is the side of being very competitive and uh, not being afraid and to do and be whatever I want, you know? It's like moms is, moms is someone who is not afraid and will go up against anybody for <laughs> anything with anything. and. Um, <laughs> Her and her brother, she grew up, she, my family's big. My dad had 13 brothers and sisters. My mom had nine. So um, with all of those aunts and uncles, they were all very competitive. And on my mom's side, they were very athletic. So a couple of my uncles were going pro ball, bowling. I mean, all of them were very athletic. So my mom was always, you know, trying to beat us at something, do something, you know, I'll take you to the hoop. Like, Mom, you're 74, for real? Right, yeah. right. You know, <laughs> she's still, like, trying to chase me down the street. I'm like... No, that's what I read. I was like, I yeah. learned that you was once, like, a, a, you ran track, you broke records, and was even yeah. considering the Olympics, and, and all about, like, what you are just talking about, the athleticism coming from your mother's side of the family. So, serious question here. In an Oakland street race, who would win, you or your mom? Oh, me. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Back in the day, maybe her, but right now it'd be me. <laughs> well, your manager said on Unsung that there is a difference between Sheila E. and Sheila Escovito. What is the major difference that separates the two, and which one am I talking to? <laughs> you know what? She did say that, but at the end of the day, they're one and the same now. They used to be separate, and I sometimes... And jokingly, we, I say to her, you know, you know, Sheila is the one, you know, and joking as a third person. But really, um, 
Sheila E. Sheila Escobedo is the same person, and that's really what she meant. It's like now she. Hello. So sorry. <laughs> I'm convinced that was Sheila E. who hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're still working on you. No, I know. I'm just joking. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. You're gonna stop now until I'm done. Until I get off the phone. It's all good. You're always raising money for charity, and you're Elevate Hope Foundation. What motivates you to do so many good works? It's just the way that we were born and raised. I mean, uh, raised. Um, growing up, my dad was left in an orphanage for many years as he was a child and uh, and then also raised on the floor of a kitchen in Mexico in his grandmother's house. So um, going to these facilities, Pops always told us that, you know, there are always people worse off than we are, no matter how bad we may think it is. And uh, he would take us and put us in the car and... Um, grab the percussion instruments and we go play at a lot of the facilities for kids where they were either abused, abandoned, they didn't have any home or, you know, halfway house, whatever it was, you know. We would just go to the places where there were kids that, you know, needed some motivation, some encouragement, some hope, and we would go play for them and, and um, try to bring them a smile, you know, a hug, give them a hug or whatever. And it was, you know, very challenging and hard, but that's what started the motivation is because my mom and dad used to take us to those facilities. You and I share something that's not so good. I was also molested as a young person, and I know that you suffered or survived, I should say, a child abuse. How does that benefit you in connecting with these kids that you deal with as well? Well, first I want to say I'm sorry that you went through that as well, and it's almost a common thing that nowadays um, people really you know, opening up to saying, wow, that was me too. Um, to be a survivor of rape at five years old, mm. you've pretty devastating because it's as if, you know, my childhood was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And when I go to these facilities, you know, the, the part about Elve Hope that Lynn and I bring is that we use music and arts as therapy to help the kids. So when we go there, we understand what they've gone through because we've been through it as well. Right. And uh, everyone's story is different, but the common thread is that it has been either molestation or abuse, you know, in some mm -hmm. kind of way, mm -hmm. whether it be physical, mentally, or spiritually. Mm -hmm. And Music is healing, you know, creativity is healing, and with the arts to be able to give to them a place where they can actually uh, express themselves through the arts. If they can't speak and they don't want to and they're angry, well, write it out. Let me hear how angry you are, and let me make it a song, or let's do this, or, you know, paint, you know, and we watch these kids um, come out of severe depression based on, you know, the music and the art that has helped them to really look at what they're doing and how they feel and they're like man I was mad today and all the colors are dark and they're red and they're black and blue and you know very dark and as they continue to heal and going through therapy and you know things like that and having music and the arts their colors and their painting started changing and their bright colors and happy and their smiles on on the faces of some of the paintings that they're writing and you can see the change in the person and in that child and also um, a lot of the the kids, once they got involved in uh, not just Elevate Hope, but in the, the arts and music, um, a lot of their detention, like they would get, you know, 30 marks of, you know, breaking a window, you know, being bad in the class, you know, going to the, the dean's office and all that. A lot of that, like a lot of the kids that had 30-something marks, it went down to like two 
you know, mm. or or three, and you could, and it, it's it's scientifically proven that you know it helps social studies and social skills to be able, you know, and, and with math, you know, music deals with all of that and, and the creativity. So we understand what they go through, and we and um, we know why, and uh, that's what that's basically what helps us because we can say we understand, we know. It's not a book we read; we've been through it too. I think that you're probably like only the second person in my life who said, I'm sorry that that happened. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I'm so happy that you connect with these kids. Cause I didn't even think that music could serve as a way to heal in that way. But now looking back, I just had an aha moment talking to you that, well, that's probably why I was able to heal in, in many different ways was because of music or the art. So, Right. Yeah, just good. I had a I had a I had a little epiphany. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you toured with one of my mother's all time favorite artists, Marvin Gaye. What was he like as a person? I mean, he's somebody I can never meet. Oh, he was amazing. He was such a sweet man, a gentleman. He was just soft spoken, funny, and loved the women. But he was just—he was just a, a ladies' man. I mean, he was just awesome. And then, you know, on top of it, to be so talented, uh, there were times during the tour that, especially at the beginning, you know, you're in awe of of this man who he grew up listening to, and um, and you're all of a sudden in the band playing with him. Mm. And uh, there were times where, you know, my brother or my cousin or someone in the band would have to nudge me because I'm sitting there watching. <laughs> And listening to him, I'm missing my cues. Like, what are you doing? Oh shoot! I, I'm thinking I'm at the concert. You know, <laughs> wait. Uh, he was he was amazing. He was amazing. I I I adored him. I watched some Guitar Center thing, and he and you also learned when not to play. You spoke right. about that. You have to know when not to play. Seriously, that is the key. When not to play. Less is more. Prime example, when I was with the last tour with Marvin Gaye uh, in 82, and I got my brother and my cousin on the gig, so there were three of us with three sets of, all three of us had three sets of congas, bongos, timbales, all kind of toys. It was huge. And so we're playing, and um, we're playing... Too many of you crying, right? We're playing that song. So I'm playing that conga part. And because my brother and my cousin, we're always wanting to add a little spice, do something. And we start grooving and we start dancing like, oh, 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 oh it's getting good. We start stepping and all of a sudden the horn players looked at us like, oh, oh y'all, can okay. Wait, hold on. We, you know, so then each section started dancing. It became a dance fast. It was cool because nobody was doing everybody was just standing there like you know, whatever. So we're playing and Marvin's just singing, everybody's grooving and I decided with all this drum, all this equipment up here, three drums, I didn't have to I'm, I'm right here, right here I just felt like hitting that other drum, oh lord I just went like this and all of a sudden Marvin said, wait stop! Stop! We're all going, what the, what's, what's wrong? What happened? And he's looking around. He said, who hit that extra drum? I mean, there's 24 people playing in the band. And so I looked, I said, that was my brother, right? He, it was, he, 
No, I did. I blamed it on Peter Michael. It was him. He's like, nah. -uh. I mean, the thing is, is if that song was because of this conga beat, that's all it is. And when you play that, everybody knows, oh, that's what's going on. That's Marvin Gaye. So it doesn't mean that I have to do this, you know, because I wanted to hit it. It don't even sound right. That didn't sound good at all, you know? So anyway, that's why I just wanted to say less is more. That is the key. Have you ever had any other moment like that where you're like, I'm going to add, or did you learn from that moment? I jokingly say that I learned from that moment, but I think it's the truth. And I think, you know, after that, I was conscious about, you know, when not to play. And um, there were different situations, you know, when you play, uh, my dad and I are playing with Billy Cobham. I mean, we first did our first record. I think I was 17 or 16, 17, 18. We did two records with Billy Cobham. I mean, Billy Cobham is amazing. And for, you know, two percussion players to play with him and the, what he plays and his roles and, you know, he uh, all the toms and, you know, he's got like 10 toms or 20 toms. And, you know, you try to find that space of where would I not get in his way, you know? Mm. You have to figure those things out. And again, I was totally blessed to be able to play with artists like that at such a young age. It was amazing to see you on Gone Country back in 2009. You think Sheila E will release another country song or is that a one-shot deal? I, I want to do a country record. Oh, a whole record! Oh, yes. I went back to Nashville and wrote with... Um, seven others uh, writers and I loved it and I had a blast and, and I think they're good songs. I'm just waiting for the right time but I am absolutely going to do a country record. Ooh, what is it about country that connected you? Honesty, truth, story, melody, people. Well, I saw you on Dancing with the Stars last month. You did an amazing job on there. What was that like? Was it fun? Oh yeah, it was awesome. Actually, that that was like a, only a week and a half ago or two weeks. Oh, it was not. That was really, last week. That was last week, not last month. It was last week. See, but see, Sheila, look at all the stuff. You, it, it's hard to I keep do up. Within a day is crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, thirty days of you. I mean, is <laughs> <laughs> really somebody else's year. You know? Yeah, uh, it's that's, sometimes that's true, and it's a blessing. Absolutely. What's your favorite song on the E Family album? It depends on what mood I'm in. It really does. I, I like the majority of the record. I mean, pretty much we had a blast doing it, so it's hard. You know, it just depends on what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, right now we're playing. Yeah, I like it. Do what it do. Yeah, I like it. I like. I like. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Was the first single. It did really well. It was the number one requested song in the Bay Area, which was awesome. And we're we're gonna do a, a contest coming up. I think uh, next week um, with Do What It Do a contest. So check it out. Um, and what what do you have to do to enter the contest? Basically, you're just gonna submit a, a video of you dancing to Do What It Do. What is ah. your new dance? And we're gonna give away an iPad. <laughs> Okay, I will yeah. be going ahead and entering that because I can yes. I can do what it do, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll check it out. The whole family's going to vote. They're going to look at, we're going to look at all the videos and check it out. Your father is so dapper and your brothers seem like so cool. You guys must have a bunch of fun together. We do. We really do. Next, I just have like a lightning round, which, you know, I don't really want you to think that much. Playing with your dad or playing with Prince? My dad. What is a sound or noise that you love? Heartbeat. What is a sound or noise that you hate? Telephone. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's a hint, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the sound of phone. <laughs> what is Sheila E.'s favorite curse word? God bless you. Sheila E.'s guilty pleasure is? Popcorn. You're going to a desert island and there are no drums available. What instrument would you pick to take with you? The tuba, the guitar, or the violin? Violin. Outside of the Escovito family, who is your favorite artist from Oakland? Wow. That's a tough one. I took out the first family. I thought I was doing good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to have a top three. No. You don't have a top three. So There's everybody from Oakland is your number one. Yes. Ooh, Oakland folks. Yeah, she loves y'all. She loves her place. Yes. You know how many bands and artists? There are a lot. Where do you keep your MTV Moon Man? Where, oh, in a box in storage. <laughs> I can hold on to it for you, Sheila. <laughs> uh, Crush Groove or Purple Rain? How about um, The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> or Coming to America. You like Coming to America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Question mark. Okay, okay. Glamorous life or love bazaar? Glamorous life. Erotic city or let's go crazy? Let's go crazy. Playing prince in a game of basketball, ping pong, or pool? All of the above. Who would win? Me. <laughs> one night, one show, would you play with Sammy Davis Jr. or Jimi Hendrix? Sammy. E family drum off, who wins? You, Juan, Peter, Michael, or your dad? I'll give it to Pops. Okay. Favorite place to perform? The world. Is there anything special that you have to do before a show? Pray. And do you have a favorite Bible scripture? First Peter 4.16. Thank you so much, Sheila E. Thank you very much. And I do have to say that you asked great questions. And uh, it's a pleasure to uh, do this interview with you. And I... Look forward to seeing you at some of the shows. That's like the biggest compliment that you could give me because I know you do thousands of interviews. I do. <laughs> I do, but you did, you ask great questions and just the way that they were asked and things that, that were said, it really, uh, you, it, it was good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Sheila E. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You are listening to Studio Q. Studio Q is the best show Giving you the news that you ask for Celebrity interviews and more Tell you what they could know Everybody thought Studio Q She got your news and entertainment The loves that she be bringing You know that she ain't Studio Q She got your news and entertainment The loves that she be bringing You know that she ain't Studio Q